Hello, everybody. Welcome once again. As we continue on in our study of the New Testament, we're working through it pretty much a chapter at a time. We've been in this now for over three years, and uh, we're, we're making great progress, but there's a lot of chapters in the New Testament. I, I figured it would take five years when we started, and uh, we're, we're pretty much on track for that, I think, a little over five. And then as soon as we're done, we'll hop right into the Old Testament. That'll take about 15 years, and then we'll start all over again. So... Uh, so I'm, I'm pretty much have my lessons planned out for the next 35 years. Um, <laughs> and we'll still be having pasta and uh, it'll all be good. We, um, we've worked through the Gospels together. We've worked through the book of Acts and springing out of the book of Acts and the missionary journeys of Paul. We've been looking at the letters that he wrote to the brand new churches uh, and, and all of the issues that he's been dealing with and they're very similar issues to the, the ones that we still have today and uh, that we're still working through and on and so he gives some great advice for us we've, uh, we've talked about the importance of, of reading these things the way we have so we get some context for them um, because one of the, the um, problems that we can face is if we, if we start taking scripture out of context and so um, we want to hold it into the context of which it was written. It was written to specific churches at specific times, dealing with specific issues. And yet still, because of the anointing of the Spirit, as the words were being written, it, it uh, translates into our day and our time and helps us with lots of things. But we need to be careful that we don't just sort of pick out a little piece um, uh, of Scripture and, and build from that without holding it in the context with which it was written. And that's why it's so important to kind of study the way that we are, working through these things together. And we're in um, the, the letter to the Colossian church right now. Um, Paul there has been dealing the first couple of chapters with um, an issue that he has of people um, uh, who are presenting sort of a false gospel. Um, it's very much a works gospel. Uh, has a lot of Gnosticism in it, which means that they, they doubted that Jesus was ever really a, a, a real being, that it was all spiritual, and, and, um, and then that you, you get everything that you need by performance, and it was a very empty way of living. And we've said that um, we have to be ever vigilant uh, in our lives because that, that whole idea of um, uh, sort of an outward uh, working in our lives uh, and following rules and regulations um, always tries to creep its way back in to the, uh, to the people that are, are um, trying to follow God. And if it's allowed back in, um, it basically uh, makes us hard-hearted and really cuts us off from the, from the things about God that we need to be focused on and uh, working towards. And Paul's going to talk in the third chapter about um, what a holy life looks like. And uh, I, I think it's a fascinating chapter of Scripture, and I'm, I'm looking forward to sharing it with you. Um, I speak to you often about the importance of spending time reading the Word. If you come here to Long you, at all, you hear me every very routinely saying, guys, everybody needs to, to open the book and spend time in it every day. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was a low-flying something. So I know we're watching on video and stuff. They're going to be like, what happened to him? Something very low-flying just went over the church. Uh, facility. Um, and, and so, you know, today I want to say again, I want you to make it a priority in your daily life. And, and I just talked about that a lot over the weekend. But see, knowing the Bible is, is important, but applying what God teaches 
uh, in his word in our daily lives is what needs to be happening from that. Um, if we're just knowing the Bible, we're missing the point because you can go way off just knowing the Bible. It, it needs to be known in order that it can be applied into our day-to-day life. That's what it's all about. We, we need to understand that this book, as we read it, um, uh, it, it it's, uh, the end result is that we'll live the life that's supposed to come from it as we yield to the Holy Spirit and he begins to change us with, with this as sort of God's guide for us. And so it's, it's not just about, uh, I don't encourage you to read it just to read it and just to know it. It's so that as you read and know it, the Holy Spirit can take it and then change you from the inside out. Because really, that's what a holy life looks like. A holy life is um, imperfect people uh, who have met a perfect Savior um, who has made a way for them at the cross to be in an amazing relationship with God. And in the process... Um, the Holy Spirit has come and he is working on us to change us from the inside out. But this is a process and it's an ongoing process and it's something that's ongoing in us until we're back with Jesus full time again uh, in, in, in forever life. And so we will always be in process. We will always be changing and growing and we need to understand that in order to stay um, soft in the Lord um, be usable in telling other people about the love of God and not becoming hard-hearted, um, just rule followers that miss the point. And so the reality is that, that uh, see, if you take that in, that you're still at work in progress in the Lord, you haven't arrived yet, it's a lot harder to start pointing at everybody else's mess because you've got your own. Um, but where we, we often go is we, we start to pretend like we don't have much work to do and the reality is the, the further along you get in, in your journey the more you realize how much work is left to be done uh, and, and actually the further along that you get past that you go well, there's even more to be done um, and so this is the process that we go through in, um, in life and, and uh, Paul's going to bring that up that sort of idea up in Colossians 3 let's go ahead and read the verses and then we'll, we'll chat about them on the other end um, and, and he's going to talk about what life in him looks like what a holy life looks like Colossians chapter 3, here's 25 verses, uh, verses 1 through 25. Uh, you can read along uh, if you want, Bibles, bulletins, wherever. Verse 1, since then you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator here there is no Greek or Jew circumcised or uncircumcised barbarian Scythian slave or free but Christ is all and is in all therefore as God's chosen people holy and dearly loved clothe yourselves with compassion kindness humility gentleness and patience bear with each other and forgive whatever grievance you may have against one another forgive as the Lord forgave you 
And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit to your husbands, as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eye is on you and to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong, and there is no favoritism. And blessed be the word of the Lord. All right, so some pretty interesting stuff in Colossians chapter 3. Um, but but um, the idea I want to get back at again is that, that Christianity, following Jesus, is about a now and forever life in Christ. Um, and and it's, it's about life. And um, all living things grow. Growth is a natural process and it's a gradual process and change is happening all the time um, we don't many of us don't care for change all that much but change is a constant if you know that which is kind of funny to say but things are always changing around us sometimes they change very slowly almost imperceptibly but things are always changing we're changing all the time and this is this is part of the process uh, that we're in um, in, in our lives with Christ, this change process that the Holy Spirit has us engaged in is the process of sanctification. And um, it takes our entire lives until we're with Jesus, and then it's, it's all taken care of at, at one moment. But we're in process. Um, we're changing. And sometimes it's hard to see, you know, day to day, but um, I think, and this is a fairly good exercise we talk about all the time, um, every six months or so, uh, I like to kind of stop and think about where I was six months ago and, and see what's different. And I'm surprised at how, how, how things are different um, in, in, you know, not in the basic stuff, but that things have changed in, in life. Sometimes the things I thought about are a little different. And, you know, the, the world around me has certainly changed. You know, the, the world changes fast. Uh, and, and, you know... Um, and yet it doesn't seem always to change that fast, but, you know, if you think how much has changed in five years, how much has changed in ten years in the world around us, how much has changed... I mean, like, like everybody's... Got, virtually everybody has a cell phone now. And do you remember back in the 90s when you didn't yet? Um, um, and you didn't... And then when you had them... Um, I remember my first cell phone um, was like... It weighed like 50 pounds. And... Uh, almost had to hoist it up on my shoulder to take it in the car and it only worked in the car if it was plugged in and uh, it, and it wasn't very good but it was you know whoa. you know you, you almost felt like James Bond for a little while <laughs> phones um, and now like everybody you know got to, and you use it for everything I, I don't even something you, 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 you know I was talking to somebody earlier your schedules on it for a lot I mean everything is things have changed 
um, dramatically. And yet, because it sort of happened a little bit over time, it, it just kind of, you sort of get used to it pretty quickly. Um, and so, we're changing all the time. And, and we're hopefully growing in the Lord all the time. But it's, it's a change process. And, and yet, we often struggle with knowing what life in Him looks like. And so, you know, we're, we're trying to work this into our lives. Is it, is it some, you know, really big uh, supernatural experience? Or, or is it about looking, you know, a certain way on the outside and following certain rules and regulations? And, and yet, I think the reality is really not in either sort of um, extreme. It's, it's, uh, it's uh, the life of Christ is found pretty much in the day-to-day sort of ordinary things that we do in relationship with God and others. And that's where we experience the, the real life that's found in Christ. Um, you know, Jesus, we, we talk about this all the time, is our model for life and ministry. And, and so, you know, what did, his, what did his life look like? And, and in a lot of ways, um, he, he looked ordinary uh, in, in a lot of things. I mean, he was obviously, uh, had amazing stuff going on around him. But, you know, at the same time, Jesus laughed. Um, he enjoyed companionship. He you know, wanted people to be around him. He he uh, he had great friends while he was here that mattered to him deeply. He, he was a person of great compassion. Um, you know, he 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 liked a fish sandwich. Uh, I can prove that biblically if I need to. Um, he uh, and in, in in a lot of ways he he was so such a man that the people that he came for didn't really even believe him when he said that uh, he was Messiah because that's they just it just wasn't what they were expecting at all they were they were looking um, their idea of what Messiah would look like was so much different than what Jesus presented that most of them missed the fact that he was here even even with the signs and the wonders and everything his life and the way that he lived was in such sort of direct opposition to what they believed a holy life looked like that most of them miss Jesus and uh, um, and yet Jesus walked among us fully God and fully man and he demonstrated holiness in in the way that he loved and cared for people and and so the the, the lost people the people you know sort of consumed in sin were drawn to him um, uh, and that, that wasn't true for the established religious community today they weren't drawn to them at all and they could tell the difference. They could tell the, who cared about them and who didn't. And people are still like that. We can, we can tell who really cares for us and who doesn't. And, and this was a picture of what holiness looked like. And so um, this idea of life in Christ is characterized in, in trying to live um, the way that Jesus did. And that's what Paul's talking about in these verses, really, I think, in, in Colossians 3. Uh, it, true holiness is expressed... When, when we're trying to live life the way that he did. You know, a life of love, a life of serving, a life of, of seeing like he did, thinking like he did, things we've talked about. And, and so the Christian life, holy life, is done in the context of our relationships in our, in our ordinary lives in the world. Um, leaning on the power of the super ordinary, but, but still lived out in the day-to-day life. This is, this is what it looks like um, uh, and, and what we're supposed to be doing. So he says in those first uh, few verses of Colossians um, that we've been raised with Christ, the first four verses, uh, and because we've been raised with Christ, we're to set our hearts on things above, on Jesus. For it's only in him 
that we can experience now in forever life. And so we, in that process then, we, we need to start letting go of some of the worldly, very earthy concepts of rules and regulations and, and live as a people of mercy and grace. So we're in Christ now, and so we're, we're uh, with the, the help of the Holy Spirit, we're, we're in the process of letting go some of the things that have defined life for us in the past, and they're being redefined now in Christ. And, and so it becomes less about us and more about Him. He must increase, we must decrease. But it happens over time. Uh, have you, anybody else here figured out that your sin nature hangs on kind of tenaciously to things in life? That, that uh, you, you get to choose because of what God has done, but those things are popping up all the time. I mean, um, anybody else here ever struggle with selfishness? Uh, like every moment? What about me? What about me? What about me? And um, these are the things that we're working on. Uh, you know, we have, we have stuff that, that we're sort of um, very connected to that needs to be changed in our lives. He goes on, and then in verses 5 through 11, and he says, okay, we need to start putting away those thoughts and ideas. And, and then he comes up with this great concept. Maybe you've heard it. We need to start living by trying to do the next right thing. Ever heard that before? Uh, that's why we talk about it all the time it's because it's what we were told to do it's how we experience life and, and how we experience God in, in, in our lives is, is really saying you know God help me to live a life that pleases you that honors you and, and that the only way that's going to happen is that you, you help me you know in every step of the way that I, I start making progress by your spirit in changing some things in my life from the inside out. Knowing that I'm still going to mess up and that I can get and, and ask for forgiveness. And, and actually, that's a very, um, that's a great process for us, knowing that we mess up and that we need forgiveness and that we can receive forgiveness from God when we ask it. It helps us to, to um, not quickly become people that are finger-pointing at others and being critical because we get See that process. When, I mean, I need forgiveness every day. I mean, and I'm trying to walk this thing out, and still every day I'm messing up, I'm repeatedly. You know, the things that shouldn't happen but happen. You know, little irritations that become big irritations, and little frustrations that become, and I'll, you know, sarcasm and and uh, uh, you know, just things that that need to be worked on, and knowing that I need forgiveness and receive it from God when I ask it and that he loves me but so it's so cool to know that he loves me um, even in, in the midst of my mess and struggle because he knows I'm at work he, and you know fortunately God sees me in Christ and, and so I, I'm covered that way but, but in the intimate relationship you know in the, in the, in the spirit of God working in me they, they know he knows that I'm you know messed up and broken and need help and yet he loves me and so um, that concept is something that we're all supposed to get a hold of that, that because we're in this growth process um, we're, we're to forgive others the way we've been forgiven that was, I read that directly we're to love others the way we've been loved we're to, we're to change um, the way that we are sort of fixated on ourselves and start looking at a bigger picture and, and then when, after we've messed up and get forgiveness he sends us out again and then you know we need to ask for help to do the next right thing um, and I was in a discussion earlier today people telling me they're using that help prayer it's one of my favorite things to hear that people understand that 
when we're when we're frustrated and when we're anxious or when we're worried or when irritated that that's a very powerful help me Lord and he does he's, he just does he's so cool that way and that he'll help us to do the next right thing the choice is ours still but he'll be there to help us in the process so we can choose to do the next right thing or follow the old way of doing things and then he goes on in verses 12 through 17 he says instead of doing it the old way we yield to the spirit in our lives and then we start cultivating some really neat virtues like compassion that's a good one kindness humility gentleness and patience well that that's 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 a pretty so now, now wouldn't you if you were going to be known among people as something or as someone wouldn't that be a nice description wouldn't you like to end up with that you you know Oh, yeah, yeah, I know them. They were very compassionate and kind and humble and gentle and patient. That's a pretty good list, right? You know, I think we'd all take that. Um, so we're, we're to be cultivating those things in our lives because we get that's, that's what we should be doing in, in our life. And, and in our relationship with others, Paul says, we need to bear with, which actually means to put up with each other uh, and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. And then love um, which is the motivation for all these expressions of our new life is to characterize all of our relationships. So we're, we're working to be a people that love well, like he does, because that's what he taught us. And, and this is what's happening in us day to day. Uh, 3, 18 through 25. Then, then what happens then, is the different roles in life, when you get that it's not about you, but it's just, it's about him, and then, and then working this thing out with him, yielding to the Holy Spirit, the, the, the roles that we have in life become um, ir- irrelevant in terms of our, our real life, our spiritual life in Him. And so in every sort of relationship that we have, um, as children, as spouses, as parents, um, we have opportunities to live a holy life. And that's what's supposed to be happening. And, and let me just uh, quickly, I'm, I'm almost done. Um, because the, there's a couple of verses in there that sometimes get taken out of context towards the end about relationship and, and I, w- I just want to have a quick discussion about submission because uh, sometimes that's it's it's gotten a really because it's been misused and used against people um, then, then it has this bad sort of um, feeling about it that it that it really shouldn't have um, submitting to someone is a, a misunderstood concept it doesn't mean becoming a doormat that is not what submission means uh, in Philippians 2:10, we see that the Jesus, the, the Christ, at whose name every knee will bow in heaven and earth and under the earth, submitted to the will of the Father. And, and so part of the idea of submission is that we're, we're following the example of Christ. And in Ephesians 5, Paul broadens the teaching, and he says that we're to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, that it's a, it's a mutual submission that we're involved in. And, and Philippians 2 now, 3 and 4 says that we maintain a humbleness that considers others better than ourselves, not only looking to our own in, uh, interests, but also to the interests of, of others. So, so then whatever role we happen to have in, in life um, just provides us an opportunity to serve others in the Lord. And so um, sometimes the, the concept gets taken out of, of you know, place and it, it becomes more about... Um, in those people trying to make, a, make it authority and humiliation. 
that, that um, whoever you were submitting to is the authority and whoever needs to be in submission, then it's, it's kind of a role of humiliation. And it's, it's just, that's a misuse of the idea. Um, it's an opportunity to love well. And um, in order to um, be an authority, we have to love well. And in order to submit to authority, we have to love well. And, and understand that, that um, this is all part of the process. So um, the idea is that we're, we're yielding sort of rights um, in order to love God and love others the way that we need to, but never to be a doormat. It, it's not what it's talking about. We don't need to be taken advantage of, pushed around, uh, or any of those things. That's not what's happening in that process. So that's enough of uh, Colossians 3 for this evening because it's getting close to um, 8. And if you're watching on video or television. Thank you so much for spending this time with us. We appreciate you giving us your valuable time here. And uh, you can always go to our website at keysvineyard.com if you need prayer and shoot us a contact and we'll go from there.